Welcome back to the Masters of Recon podcast, your top automotive refinishing podcast with your hosts, Corey Kleinfeld and Ryan Brewer. Enjoy the show, guys. Welcome back to the Masters of Recon podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Billy Wachowiak. He is the owner and founder of Collision Safety Consultants since 2009, and he is the leading expert on diminished value. Um, and he has 22, I believe it was, locations in the U.S., one in Canada, one in Australia, and it sounds like more opening up every month. So welcome to the show, Billy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, Ryan and I are super excited about this. Um, we talked for a while on the phone and we're, gonna, we're just going to we're just going to talk about diminished value because, quite frankly, um, I want to know more about it. And you're the guy that knows about it. So here we are. Uh, the question, the most basic question is, like, wh what is like if no one's ever heard of diminished value, what is it? How would you explain it to somebody? Yeah, so the the Latin term is something, and I can't even say it, something like diminuent in value. So it's the diminution in the value of a vehicle, um, diminished value for us people don't understand Latin. Um, so it is the inherent loss in value of a vehicle due to a wreck history. So there are two types of diminished value. One is inherent diminished value. That means, hey, my car was in an accident. And just because of the fact that it's been in an accident, when I go to sell or trade it, it's going to lose value. Because only, and I say this all the time, only a fool would pay full market value for the same year-making model vehicle with a wreck history, without a wreck history. And then there's repair-related diminished value. Now, that comes when someone improperly repairs a vehicle. That can be PBR or conventional. Um, doesn't matter. So... And let me explain the difference just real quick. So inherent diminished value is that, hey, my Mercedes S550 was in an accident. It had $10,000 worth of damage. You owe me X dollars in diminished value, okay? Um, and that, that that's the, that's a flawless repair, whether it's PDR or conventional. Now, you've got the same S550, and you take it to one of, um, let's say, a contract repair shop um, that the insurance company sends you to, and they do a improper repair you got dirt in the paint or they drilled holes to pdr or you know did, did some things that aren't industry standard or not good well then your vehicle is not only depreciated because of the wreck history but now you've got a car that's and i think you said we can cost right you can cost all you like. yeah so <laughs> then you got somebody who did a shitty job okay and and your vehicle is worth less and this is kind of hard to to, to explain it's worth less because of the bad repairs, but that diminishes the value amount of inherent diminished value. And here's why. Because your car lost just as much value because you got a shitty repair as it did because of the accident. And so if, if you get a good repair on an accident, you're getting full diminished value. If you get a bad repair on a good car, then you go to sell it and somebody goes, well, the fender doesn't match. The paint has got, you know, dirt in it. Someone drilled a hole in the door to access the back of the quarter panel. You know what's going on here. So mm -hmm. one of the things you want to quantify or qualify is you want a good repair to get the maximum amount of diminished value. Okay. So can I, 
maybe I'll try to help define it. This is how it works in my head. And it seemed to have worked um, over the last hundred plus episodes I've done. So you got a car, it's brand new. It's worth a hundred dollars. It gets in a wreck automatically, no matter what, if it gets repaired, PDR, conventional, whatever, if it gets repaired, it's going to have inherent diminished value. So let's say it was worth a hundred inherent diminished value is 10. So now it's worth, now it's 90. Okay. Is that, is that, so basically the insurance company is going to pay the shop to fix the damage. And then also there's inherent diminished value. The insurance company in theory should write a check to the customer for that miss that number. Only if an insurance company sends you to one of their shops, then they're responsible for the repair. But if you pick the PDR tech or you pick the shop and you get a bad repair, it's on you. Therefore, if you don't get a proper repair, that's your fault. You pick the shitty shop. There's nothing that the insurance company had to do with it. Now, if they send you to one of the insurance company picks a shitty shop. There you go. If they send you to one of their direct repair or preferred shops and they do a bad repair, then you can double dip. Then you got inherent diminished value and repair diminished value. But if you're in an accident and you pick the shop and they do bad repairs, it reduces your amount of diminished value because the car's got bad repairs. So if it was worth a hundred, it got in a wreck, the inherent diminished value makes it now, if you sell it now, it's worth 90. If you also have repair related diminished value, now you can make a case that it's worth 85. So you could potentially get even more money. If it's done under contract. If it's done with that stipulation. Yep. Okay. So those are the two types of diminished value. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Ryan, this is interesting. This is interesting already. Like I know we're going to come up to this kind of stuff because um, the PDR industry for a, a while has been, you know, telling customers like you don't and this is true you don't have to take that car to the body shop that the insurance company tells you to you can take it to me and if you do a good job and a proper repair that's okay but if you do an improper repair and they go hire billy we got to cut a check is that fair to say you can come after us right billy if we do a bad job that's exactly what happens is I tell the consumer that their only reserve is resolve is to sue the shop. Yeah. Because if they picked it, it's on them. And the lawsuit is between them and the shop. The insurance company says, Hey, we gave you 10 grand to go fix your, your car. And you went to Joe's body shop and Joe did a bad repair. That's on you between you and Joe. Now, if they say we told you to go to Jim's and Jim is a direct repair shop, that's on them. So what I'll tell a customer is if they get a bad repair at Joe's and they pick Joe's is you go back to Joe and say, Joe, I want you to fix this right. Then we'll file the DV claim because then that brings the quality of the vehicle back up to where we want it to be. And then they can go after full diminished value. But if you got, you know, no blend time or you got, you know, again, you know, if they fractured the paint doing a PDR or they didn't put the quarter panel in straight or the fender doesn't match or, you know, any of that kind of stuff that the shop did a bad repair that, that hurts you in your diminished value claim. I do think okay. we have a, we have a really big disconnect on when I've talked a little bit about becoming direct repairs with insurance companies on the paintless dent repair side. And I think that we've had a big disconnect on repair quality, right? Uh, 
Uh, every insurance company I've ever yeah, spoken to. Yeah, what is bad, right? What is bad? Right. So on every PDR company that is is reputable and is going to do good work should have a system in place that says if we do not repair this this damage correctly, then we can't charge for it, right? We're already doing it for retail customers, so why aren't we doing it for insurance, right? So if we fracture the paint or we do an improper repair, then the next step is to bring it to a body shop to have it repaired correctly. Do you think that that has any any difference in like how we can go about paintless and repair and and getting on with insurance companies? Yeah, I mean, I think that was a very valid um, way to go about it. Um, and it's um, uh, we were saying before, so the insurance company cannot it's called steering the insurance company cannot tell you where to go right it's and, and here's what i have to tell my customers or any customer all the time it's your car you know i'll get customers all the time that have a total loss and 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 i just had one not long ago and they said my insurance company says i could not move my vehicle to my it was my father-in-law shop and it was in my hometown and they said my insurance company said that i could not move my vehicle what it's your car it's not theirs they may insure it but it's your car and and people think that the insurance because they insure they can tell you what to do not only can they not tell you what to do they can't tell you what to do if that makes right. sense no because yeah. it's, in most states it's against the law there's anti-steering but they, but they do though they do well they're very careful about how they do it they'll the say something like like um this shop um is approved charges. or certified or well this shop charges more money so you may be out of pocket money everything they say you may be out of pocket money did you hey did you hear may or did you, did you hear i'm out of pocket money right yeah, yeah. you heard i'm out of pocket money right you know, <laughs> we, we may not pay for that or like a lot of people when i tell them to go through their own carrier They'll say, well, my carrier told me, what's well, not their carrier, usually it's their agent. My agent told me if I didn't go to where they told me, I, I might not get a proper repair and I don't get a warranty. Well, insurance companies, and this is the funny part, is insurance companies will, and they'll tell you this with a straight face. We only warranty good repair, not bad repairs. <laughs> what did you just say? We only warranty and guarantee a good repair, not a bad repair. What does that mean? Well, if it's a bad repair, it's on the shop. If it's a good repair, we take credit for it. And they mean it because the shop, when they get on a direct repair agreement, they have a hold harmless against the insurance company. And their contract, that insurance company has that body shop signed, actually makes the body shop pay for the legal fees if there's any lawsuit against the insurance company. Uh -huh. Now, who would sign a contract like that? And then they come in and they pick away your profits. Dude, that was, so someone on a tangent, because it's, I mean, someone that signs that basically because they say, I'll feed you a hundred cars a month through Geico right. or through, we don't know, call insurance companies out, whatever, any insurance company, DR. Right. I'll feed you a hundred cars a month. How many people have you have ever sued you for bad work over your last 20 years, Mr. Body Shop? None. Yeah, no one ever does that, right? Well, and so many, they just, they sign them up, right? So that's- How many body shops are reading the contract? None. None. It's probably None, like- right? They sign yeah. it. They just sign it and say, we're going to get the work. Let's just keep rolling through it. We'll let them tell us what we can and can't do. 
and then we'll move on, right? So that's fascinating. So if you really, if, if you wanted to make a body shop not be a DRP anymore, basically, and if they didn't do good work, you just have to have three, four, five people sue them for bad work and diminished value, and they'd be like, oh, shit. Or talk about the liability, right? Talk about the liability that the body shop is about to take on, and no body shop huh. really thinks about that, you know? Fascinating. No body shop understands that they're liable. You know, you look at that John Eagle case when John Eagle and State Farm mm -hmm. told him what to do. Um, and if anybody had know the John Eagle case, just I'll do a quick brushstroke. Um, yeah. A body shop glued a roof in. A family got hit in the car. It didn't react the way it was engineered. The guy's foot burnt off. Um, I've, I've seen the pictures of the guy. It literally burnt the flesh on his um, uh, chin. So there's nothing left but bone because when the when the car collapsed, it jammed his foot under the gas pedal, I mean the brake, and trapped him. And when the engine caught on fire, it literally burned everything from his calf down off. And there was a bone sticking in a tennis shoe. $43 million that body shop had to pay. And what had happened was the car was fixed at John Eagle, got sold, and went to a – so it was a second person that owned the vehicle. And they found out who did the bad repairs. And so I think State Farm only paid a couple million, but John Eagle had to pay 40-something million because the person who touches that vehicle is liable. And no body shop thinks they are. I think, well, the insurance company told me to do it, so they're – and then there's that, that – that, what I talked a little bit before, but there's no such thing. So it's not really called a hold harmless, um, what, the, what the DRP signs. A hold harmless agreement if someone says, hey – I'm not supposed to put this used quarter panel in, but I am, but I'll do it if you sign a hold harmless. So they tell the insurance company, what a hold harmless is, is for someone to say, hey, listen, I did it wrong and I'm putting you in an unsafe vehicle, but don't, but don't hold me liable for it. You're putting in writing that you did something wrong. Right. That's not going to hold up anyway. Does the customer ever know about that? Probably not. No. That's no. not in the packet they give you from the collision <laughs> shop that that has your all packet. the estimate in it and everything. Here's your estimate. Have a nice day. Well, it's got that stupid, uh, you know, guarantee. Um, there was one of them back. Yeah, in the lifetime day. warranty. Was, will repaint it. Yeah, I think USAA used to have on theirs um, that if our repair is not a, and it might still be in there in their little packet of guarantee. It said, and I loved it. Because instead of our repairs not to, up to um, industry standard, I'm still looking for that book, and we'll go to that later. Um, if our repairs not up to industry standard, then you can take it to another shop of your choice to have it fixed. So what would happen when I do a post-collision repair inspection and say, you know, not only is this not up to industry standard, it's not to play school standard. And because of that DRP relationship, the beautiful thing about my post-collision repair inspections it's when I catch a bad repair at a shop that's by, done by a DRP, guess who's liable? The shop. Guess who has to pay me because the insurance company makes them pay me? The shop. <laughs> the insurance company is totally out, and, and they the insurance company forces the shop to pay me. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. if they want to hold their drp licensing right. or whatever right right um, and they're not you know they're, they're you know they're sucking the tit of that you know drp agreement so bad and their and whole business happens, is gone if they don't have drp i mean 
So um, one of the leaders in our industry a while back was Ray Gunder. I don't know if any of you guys know Ray Gunder. He's out of Lakeland, Florida, and he really fought and won a bunch of lawsuits um, and really took took State Farm in Florida. Um, but uh, they would tell people that you can do um, this DRP and, and direct repair, but then in the end, it comes back to them. And And what happened was they just – They'd fold because it's their responsibility, but they force the shop to pay when they do a bad repair. And it, and it's it's you know it's 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 so. The only problem is is when it's you pick your own shop. The only thing you can do is sue that shop, and and there's not a lot of attorneys out there that'll do that. But when it's a right. DRP agreement or you've got unfair and deceptive trade practice, and then an attorney sees I'm going to get legal fees, I'm going to get what's called treble damages. Whenever you have unfair and deceptive trade practices um, uh, in, in the legal field, and I'm not giving legal advice, I'm just telling you what I know, um, it's called uh, bad faith, unfair and deceptive trade practices, and they get treble damages. So it's three times whatever the damage is. So you got a $20,000 vehicle, that becomes a $60,000 judgment, then it becomes $25,000 for punitive damage, um, $45,000 for stress and pain or whatever, and then attorney's fees. And the the way Collision Safety Consultants cut its teeth, and when we started, was a, there was a body shop in North Carolina that had committed fraud. They ordered a rail for a um, Honda Odyssey, and they sectioned the rail. And they put the rail in because they didn't want to use the whole piece. And had they put the, and they also didn't put a, a, a center floor pan in it. So the the um, took it to court, and I told the girl that owned the body shop and owned the dealership, listen, it's a seventeen hundred dollar supplement that we found that you can send this in, and they'll total the car. At that time, I charged a thousand bucks. Now it's four thousand. The most you're out is like two hundred fifty bucks in storage. And my fee, thousand bucks. Okay, and and the, we wrote we wrote the supplement for her to send in to total the car. Two years later, uh, the judgment was a hundred and like eighty five thousand dollars plus four hundred and fifty thousand between the attorney's fees that she had to pay for her attorney and my customer's attorney's fees. So almost eight hundred grand she paid over a, what she could have done for a seventeen hundred dollars supplement. And then once that hit the, you know, uh, body shop business and fender man, vendor and all the other trade magazines and everything, you think anybody messed with me when I made a call and I say, hey, I got a bad repair, <laughs> you know, for, for a couple of years. And now, you know, and it, it took a couple of years, but um, another major, um, I won't name them because they're pretty good guys now. We've kind of come around, but um, they questioned us on a repair. And it and ended up it cost them a million dollars, a million dollars on like a seventeen thousand dollar Range Rover. So the question for all the PDR guys listening is, you know, the body shop does a repair that's not industry standard, and you look at it and determine it's not industry standard. <laughs> I think in a body shop, there not. I think I know in a body shop there are 
standards written out from insurance companies, from manufacturers, from a lot of different ways of like how you should like that's the rail. They cut it in half. They didn't want to use the whole thing. They sectioned it. Clearly that's not supposed to happen because that's not the proper way to do it. Go to the PDR side. What, what is an industry standard for PDR? Is that ever been written? Is it, is there, I'm just curious. Is it, if you found a clay, we did a bad job or whatever a bad job. I don't, I don't even know how to ask the question. What's the industry standard for PDR? So there is no industry standard. That's what was my joke. There is no industry standard for collision repair. Right. Okay. That's what insurance companies lead their customers to believe that there is such thing. And there's a manual or something out there. That's not industry standard. There's what like best practices. Not even best practices. Okay. What I would okay. consider industry standard is what SCRS and the manufacturers. That's it. The the people that fix the vehicles, the the experts, the OEM procedures, that should be the industry standard. The insurance companies use it as a buzzword to say that they that you know Joe's Body Shop does the industry standard and that's why we'll send you there and tim's body shop who's you know uh, mercedes certified bmw certified and they have a a, a lot more equipment and everything um we're not going to pay their rates because they do more than what's required for an industry standard you know that's what an insurance company will lead consumers to believe that there is such a thing as an industry standard there's not um but what I think the industry standard should be is follow the OEM guidelines and procedures. You know, but there, there is there one for of those for PDR, though, right? Not that I know of. Wild West, dude. It's the Wild West. So, so how do we fix that? Is there is there an option for us to fix that? I don't because can can you not agree that paintless dent repair is a by far in in certain circumstances paintless dent repair is is a better repair for a vehicle. Now I'm going to get, it's like I said, I, I did an interview, I did a podcast with Mickey um, uh, at uh, Body Banging uh, mm -hmm. right before this one. And I said, I know I'm going to get a lot of letters when I say this, <laughs> like I'm on TV. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of letters about this one. Um, it is less evasive mm -hmm. and done properly. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I'm going to get a lot of conventional guys that are going to you know, be mad, but, you know. I don't know if that's true. Well, if, if it's if it's not creased, if it's not fatigued, um, but you know, I'm learning too. You know, um, I, I, I've seen uh, our boy at Keko with the Kiko. What he got mad at me because I could call him Keko. <laughs> yeah, he's Kiko. 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 He said, hey, no, "Not a lizard, man." <laughs> um, you know, some of the the amazing stuff that they're doing. Um, and some of the dents they're getting out just blow me away. Well, we're never... we're tra we're transforming as an industry, just like the collision industry is. We're able to fix things that we couldn't fix 10, 15 years ago. We can now fix two. stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah, two years ago, right? Our technology and skill set is changing at, on a daily basis. So I feel like there has to become something for us to be utilized by insurance companies in the collision repair because we not only do we save the customer's oem finish and it's a less invasive repair we are saving the insurance companies a ton of money whether they want to fight with us or not 
you know, because we're saving rental, the time, the, the I, I want to get on the diminishment value side of things on how paintless dent repair diminish diminishes the value of a vehicle when we're restoring the OEM finish. I guess we can kind of hit on that if you want to hit on that. Was that a question, Corey? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So you, um, I said, what is the industry standard for PDR? Long story short, there is no industry standard for anything. For PDR, there's not even any OEM right. standard. There's a couple things I've read, like the Toyota belt molding thing. There's a few things out there that I've seen. So we should follow those. Um, so uh, I guess the question is, yeah. So you get a quarter panel that's pretty be, pretty smashed up. Quarter panels are big for us because the cost to repair it at a body shop is so high versus like a fender typically um that we can get repairs i've done um quarter panels on on cars where the actual edge is bent in over the bumper like two three inches and we could pull those out for you know thirty five hundred four thousand dollars retail costs not through insurance um like one through one with their insurance one not but i guess basically if we were to take the same exact quarter panel and we did it with paintless dent repair and the shop did it with, you know, sectioning off or, or putting on a new rail is the diminished value less. So I use three factors to determine diminished value. One is the year of the vehicle. And, and we're not even right now taking into consideration the type of vehicle, just we're talking about the S 550. Yeah. Okay, so S550. So um, the year, the mileage, and the severity. Okay, so is severity the cost of repairs? Is severity the damages? Well, let's say if it's a baseball size dent in a quarter panel. Okay, mm -hmm. now someone says replace, someone says repair. Um, and here, here's in, in which lies the delay. Can I can I define you more? Can I add a third one? Is that sure? Fair? Someone yeah. says replace. Someone says conventional repair with Bondo. Okay. Someone says PDR. Can we do? Yeah, those? and I was, I was taking that okay. into consideration. You're way ahead okay, of the court. Come on, dude. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Leave it to the expert. So, right. <laughs> so with a PDR repair versus a conventional repair, if it was going to be repaired again, yeah. But why do you want Bondo? In your s550 you know um and if it's going to be a conventional replace on a quarter panel you know it's so evasive and i'll give you a, i'll give you a true world expert opinion when i was wrong again you heard it here folks billy was wrong and he's going to admit it right here on this podcast so we had a nissan in mississippi that where it was hit it was right by um, where the bumper meets the um back quarter panel mm -hmm. and it ripped it and it ripped it probably about like that, maybe eighth of an inch, half of an inch, you know, somewhere about in that much. And um, I was working with um, the Mosleys at Clinton Body Shop with Daniel and his dad, John. And they're like, you know, we need to replace this quarter panel and had all this data and all this everything. And um, Jason, I believe, was at uh, Nissan at the time. And so it went into the appraisal clause and the insurance company wrote repair um the body shop wrote replace and i got a nissan and they said repair they said that that gap was enough that it could be closed 
and it could be welded. Um, that it, even though it's it's part of the outer shell, it wasn't really um, um, structural. structural. Uh, and and they said because cutting a quarter panel is so evasive. And now here, what do you have? You got a chance of bare welds. You got a, a chance of no corrosion. You got the insurance companies writing um, used quarter panel. Are you shitting me? My father-in-law been in business for 50 years this year, 50 years. And and I asked him this a couple of years ago, and I know it's not changed. In 50 years, he's used one used quarter panel. And it was on a 65 Mustang because the guy said, I want an original 65 quarter panel on my 65 Mustang. And that's <laughs> the only one he's ever done. You know, and you got these shops out there doing uh, used quarter panels. When, Every when shop. The repair yeah, well, in the repair time show, if you do it right, and you dress the welds and you, you you drill out the holes and everything, it costs more to put a used quarter panel in the car and, 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 and more work than it does to put a new one on it. Yeah. If you're writing the estimate right. But let, let's go back to what Corey's talking about. Is um, So replacing the quarter panel is going to be more expensive, and, and it's going to be more evasive, and repairing it conventional is going to probably be skimmed or have some type of bondo in it. Um, and if you can PDR properly without breaking the seal, I mean, breaking, breaking any of the paint of the surface, you know, that's obviously a much better way to repair it. And so the diminished value, in my opinion, would be, hey, I'm going to look at a sheet that instead of being eight grand is going to be four grand, right? And, 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 and there's no broken paint and it said repair, not replace. And that's one thing that the insurance companies that point out to me when I'm in the battle, you know, when I'm fighting for diminished value, you know, we repaired it. It wasn't anything structural and nothing was replaced. So it helps in their mindset too. They're let they're 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 be less diminished value in everyone's eyes on a PDR repair versus a conventional repair or um, a conventional replace. What else do we so even talk about? No, I'm just no, kidding. So, so why don't why why do not why do insurance companies not utilize that? You know the the, the whole matrix things gets me. Well, that's I that's mean, hail. That's hail. That has nothing to do with collision. We that's price a whole another, or whatever. That's a whole yeah. That's a whole another uh, podcast, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way the way we come up with pricing on uh, collision repair is a new type of matrix, but we need to come up with a new name for it because when you say matrix, it automatically goes to hail repair, and it's not the same. It's totally different because we have to take in so many other factors than you do with with hail damage. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, think the that question is, yeah, why why don't PDR shops? Why don't insurance companies use PDR shops? You'd think it would. It would help reduce liability. Not that they have much, but um, but also um, probably because there's a lot of bad PDR techs. Yeah, but that's the whole thing is that there needs to become a clause in the insurance statement as far as PDR goes. If PDR is going to be performed, um, I don't know how that works. But if yeah. you can't fix it, you can't charge for it. I mean, that's just. I mean, to me as a business owner, that's black and white. You can't charge for something that you can't fix. If you tried to, if you yeah. spent two days on working on a car, that's not my, that's not the insurance company's problem. It's not the customer's problem. It's your problem for not having the amount of knowledge it takes um, to do that type of repair. 
Well, and, and uh, Corey, I, I, to be honest, I did not know that insurance companies were not wanting or refusing to do oh. um, PDR. They it's hate us. Really, <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't even know if it's it's hit or miss. I guess. Um, yeah. You, you'd think. You'd think. Like, there's a thing that we talk about in the industry, not a lot, but I say it a lot. It's P PDR first. Like, there, there's no reason why it shouldn't be PDR first. There's a lot of stuff we can't do, clearly, at collision right. shops. Like, millions and billions of dollars worth of work. But there's a lot of stuff, and I walk body shops every single day that I certainly can do. Yeah. So why isn't, why doesn't, and you don't, might not know this answer, but why don't insurance companies force their DRPs? They force them to do everything else to check with a PDR shop first. I, I don't Great know. And, and maybe, and this is just, you know, because I'm just starting to, yeah, hearing some of this stuff that you're talking about, maybe because there is not an establishment of a, a brick and mortar PDR shop like there are body shops that someone can drive into and it's established because mm -hmm. I will tell you in, in, in Gastonia, um, I think it's, is Dent Wizard a big um, national? Yes. Yeah. The, the, largest so by, got, but the largest by a hundred times over any other company. Okay. Yeah. So they've got a, a, a big facility right above my father-in-law shop, but I think that it's, it's for when I say commercial, I think it's they wholesale. bring dealership cars yeah mm -hmm. yep. bring yep. dealership cars in there 55 60 80 100 at a time and they're yep. fixing them in this little building but yep. joe can't go in there and get it done um no. and 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 every time um tommy clayton you know in, in north carolina who does pdr work and, and danny hagger you know any of those guys like them um they all from what i know pretty much work on the road or go somewhere to fix something yeah so and I don't know if this is the case or not, but, you know, and the only reason I say Dean Hacker and Tommy are two of the guys that I know in, you know, in the industry and y'all um, is maybe someone needs to actually get a hold of an executive at an insurance company and go, yeah. Hey, Bo, let's, let's say Louisiana. Hey, Bo, Bo, look here. Here's this dent. Here's how I can fix it. Okay. Now let's do it a conventional way. And give them the price comparison and say well they fight with us they fight with us on price right they just come up with a they say you know that you make too much money they say we charge them too much money for that without having anything to back up they don't back up that that, that the response that comes out of their mouth on you know why we're charging what we're charging for the well, dent even so though it's taking us that's years. even a, that's an entirely separate issue in yeah. my opinion one yeah. why don't they send it to us two if if it costs $8,000 to replace a quarter panel and there's, I pick a number, $4,000 in additional diminished value, we should be able to charge $12,000 to fix it. Right. <laughs> in theory, in theory, that would never, that's never going to happen, but in theory. So no, no. So just for context, Brian Brewer and I both have shops and we are doing more, I would say more insurance and that's like, you know, a claim, one claim a month or two a month, maybe. Yeah. So that's more than what we've previously done, which is zero, but that goes smooth. Both have shops. Like, do you have any issues, Corey, whenever you run into a claim, the claims that we take on, we know yeah, no. that we're able to repair these things sound yes. safely. When the, when the customer comes to us, when I can talk to them and say, 
the insurance company is going to tell you to go to this shop and they'll say that PDR can't fix it, but I promise you I can fix it. Here's my before and after pictures, videos, et cetera. They're like, okay, I trust you. I'm going to make a claim and I'm going to give it to you. And the insurance company is going to write me a check. It's all, it's always fine. I mean, there, yeah, it's fine. I mean, there's granted if we screwed something up, I, I, I would get it fixed at a body shop, which I've done too, but, but um, not on the insurance company's money, right? It's not the insurance company's money. No. No, no, no. If it was our yeah. problem, we did something. We're we're liable right. for that. That's always the case. So your body shop. So the question. Your shop. Yeah, question goes back to why don't insurance companies use us? One, they probably don't even know about us. And two, mobile guys were. It's they're too. I I don't know the word fly by night. I guess like you can't get a hold of them. He might just disappear, <laughs> not answer his cell phone. I guess so. There's that. But we but, both have brick and mortar shops. Insurance companies found out about the the tea hot box right for hail they were yeah. out there they were out there giving the the tea hot box to their adjusters trying to fix hail so trying to they fix are, themselves they're consecutively trying they're paying to attention out, they're paying attention they're trying to save money but and they know the pdr industry is here they yeah. just don't they don't pay enough attention to what we're capable of doing for them and their yeah. customers right yeah so uh, uh, you know paul and tim uh gordon yeah, we both very well. Yeah, very well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I worked with them a little bit. Matter of fact, my father-in-law did a class for them um, on, on um, I think not only on estimating, but this is how much my father-in-law loved this industry. He brought six, five or six of those guys to North Carolina, and spent Saturday and Sunday with them, and and, and gave them a free class. Nice. Damn. He, he did it because he wanted not only the PDR. He does this for the, anybody, but it you know just because they were PDR. Um, he wants this industry, the collision industry, whether it's PDR, commission, or whatever, to get what they're what they're owed, and to have ve right. vehicles fixed properly. And so Ronnie went into you know helping them write a you know a proper estimate because they weren't you know they weren't writing it. Um, you know some of these guys didn't know any of the P pages or any of the stuff that they do. Um, so uh, the only thing I think is beyond you know a lobbying group for you guys is and and, and, and it, i will tell you this much y'all seem more unified as pdr um group than the collision industry yeah I because agree. in the collision industry you know there's 25 shops in gaston county you know where my father-in-law is and i can only talk about where i am that i know you know i really know what's going on and most of those guys can't stand my father-in-law He's yeah, because everybody's competition. They hate competition. Yeah. They hate it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and he like and, does. And, he like does to go to work, and it makes everybody else look bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. They, they they actually say that uh, he's too expensive. What's too yeah. expensive? Do you you mean he did it right? Do you mean right. he followed the OEM procedures? He followed what the OEM said. He he did. He did a, pinch, a Mitchell paint guide. He did PMC logic. He didn't cap paint materials. He he you know he he blend he didn't blend within the panel. He didn't burn the clear in. Do you mean he did? He was supposed to? Yeah. Oh my God! You know, and and the funny part is is that kind of trickles down in the community. Is man, I'd like to go to Pack Brothers, you know, because but they're the most expensive in Gaston County. Yeah. <laughs> They're not any more expensive than anybody else. They just do more of the procedures that are required to do it right, and they do it right. But that's what's sad in, in both industries, the collision industry and the PDR industry. The people that do correct repairs and charge the right, around, the right amount of money seem to not prosper as much as the guys that are hacking cars up. 
Mm. You know, I'll disagree. Uh, no. I'll disagree. Short term, yeah. really? Short term yeah. versus long term. Yeah, Dude, I don't know. There. I don't know. I think. Do you, Do you think they have more people hacking cars up than they do doing correct repairs? Well, yeah, that's for sure. Okay, so how, yeah, that pro- how is that? No. You know, how is that? How is that side of the industry not prospering more than the people who are doing correct repairs? Because I feel like they have a lot more people out there that are doing shoddy repairs than they do doing correct repairs, charging the right money. Because I will, I'll give you a perfect example, and I won't name the, I won't name, I won't name the chain of shops, but I'll name a chain of shops, but I won't name them. So I talked to one of the shops the other day. They did six hundred and forty-eight cars last month. Okay, my father-in-law does about that in a year, and I was talking about how many cars this this shop did, and and he said, you know, the sad thing is, I make more money than they do. The, the difference between the 12 million that they're making in profit. Let's look at profit. Let's look at overhead. Let's Not look gross, at ROI. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's look at my follow-up owns his shop. He owns his equipment. His employees have been there for 15, 18, 19 years. He owns all everything, the land, the building, the equipment is all his. You know, this guy might be churning 12 million, but he's turning three and four and five and eight percent profit, right? My father-in-law using the Mitchell Paint Guide and the PMC Logic is turning 150% profit on paint materials. That's good. There ain't many people out there that can do 150% profit on paint materials. You know why? Because they don't try. Well, yeah, it's too hard. So the question, the question then becomes: Do and and the way your father-in-law does it, this is, is because you know, this example, that's why we're talking about him because you, yeah. you, you know, the numbers, Yeah. all of those customers that have insurance that go through him, are they paying any money out of pocket themselves? No, because he's invoking the appraisal clause. Can you explain that? Yeah. yeah. Please. So if you, if, if, whether it's a first party or third party claim, we recommend that all customers look into their policy and find out if they have the appraisal clause that allows you to challenge repairs. So there's two verbiages. An appraisal clause allows you to level the playing field against your insurance company. So if your insurance company says, I'm going to go to Corey, I'm going to go to Ryan, and and here's a $6,000 PDR repair. And uh, you wrote 10, okay? Insurance company wrote six. Under your policy, if your policy allows you to challenge the cost of repairs, you can hire me or any other independent appraiser. Doesn't that be me? Doesn't that be collision type consultants? Any other independent appraiser can fight for that consumer to get paid your your repair cost. Under the appraisal clause, not policy, it it lets that customer pick their appraiser. The insurance company has to hire an independent appraiser. And now it's between me or whoever the other independent appraiser is and the insurance company's independent appraiser. And what I do is I take the procedures. I take everything and look at it and go, well, what's required here? What's required there? And and we take and, and outline exactly what needs to be done to do the job. And I present that to the other appraiser and say, you tell me what doesn't need to be done here. And nine times out of ten, they can't tell me what that. They'll try and say, "Oh well, your labor rate is too high." Why? Oh, because the insurance uh, uh, uh. can't bring the insurance company in this. 
We're supposed to be two competent, independent, independent appraisers, and we're supposed to come up with our. I've had them send me um, uh, uh, the the CCC on a total loss and go, well, here's here's my valuation. You're just sending me what the insurance company just sent you, the same customer. You can't do that. You have to come up with your own. So there's so many other appraisers out there doing what I do that don't know what they're doing. But in the PDR world, um, I think it was uh, we did a something in North Dakota, um, not here too long ago, and I think we did some in, in uh, Oklahoma, and I've got a, a location in Oklahoma, and we're killing it on PDR claims because the interest is coming in, so we're not paying this because of this matrix things, or I don't even know what a matrix is. Is and that hell? Are, are you talking about hell? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it's made up. I think they just make it up just like they've got made up industry standard. Dip, it's just a dip, word, a buzzword. Get yeah, it's a movie. You know, it's where the guy goes, you know, the yeah. bullets fly past him. You um, know, it's, uh, I have, I have a, I have a question. Let's go back to the S five fifty quarter panel baseball size dent. It's eight thousand dollars to replace the entire quarter panel or whatever. And I and I and diminished value is four, so it's twelve total. And I want to charge ten thousand dollars to fix that dent. It's going to take me an hour, and I hire you as an independent appraiser. What would happen in that situation? I probably wouldn't be able to justify ten grand. I'm just, okay. But what? What? Okay. What? Five? Four? Two? I don't know. I don't know until I actually. I'm just curious. Yeah, I would have to really sink my teeth into the PDR world and look exactly, you know, what it, the time that it takes to repair a dent, um, and and what what is repairable or not. I, I don't have that. I don't have that much knowledge mm -hmm. of your industry. No, I totally. Um, yeah, I understand but, that. And so it's it's interesting to me that when we look at the PDR industry, we are uh, quicker, oh, oh, pretty much always quicker. We um, are not invasive at all. So I can fix a dent to flawless where mo even other PDR techs couldn't see it um, or damn near close to that. And I, I'm quicker. I'm not invasive. I don't alter the vehicle in any way and all that stuff. Why should time matter? Right. Like who gets to who gets to pick my hourly rate? And this is theoretically. I'm not trying to say I'm ten thousand dollars an hour, but but you don't do yeah. you don't do that in the collision industry, right? If if you get three hours to take a bumper off a car and a and a technician can do it in an hour, you don't or go back minutes. and right. You yeah. don't go back and tell that 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 technician, hey, your insurance company's only paying for an hour. You got three. You know, it's it's all about the learning experience, right? On it's an interesting industry. question. Yeah. Yeah, so um, my part of the estimating system um, through Autotext, mm -hmm. you know you can switch it to dollars. So instead of it's, hours, oh. yeah, you put it in dollars. Did, Did not know yep. that. And I've had Autotext. And, and so you run, you run it over to dollars, and there are no hours. So I'm, how long did it take you to fix that bumper? $400. $400. Well, no, I need to know. No, you don't. None of your business. That's what I charge to change a bumper. $400. But well, that's what I'm you, saying. If, I can imagine. If we, hire, if we hire you, how can you justify that? You know? It's what he charges. That's it. That's it. We well, I mean, literally, like the who, who, gets to, who gets to do any of that? It's, it's who makes the matrix, who all. If you go back to way in the beginning, all business and all law and all all that stuff is made up from somebody at some point. 
realistically. Right. So if I can make a case to the insurance company to charge $10,000 for this dent, when the body shop would charge eight and there'd be a diminished value of at least four, um, and I fought it to the end of the world, I don't see how they could tell me I can't charge that for a one day repair. You know what I mean? It's an interesting concept and something we talk about a lot in PDR is that um, rightfully so, guys can get stuck on price. You know, we 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 price we can price a dent to be uh I've today I've talked to Ryan on the way. I did a $968 job and I was at the customer's house for roughly an hour and 45 minutes. And that can make people uncomfortable for sure. Um but who's to say I can't do that? An insurance company? No. You know what I mean? Um well, what 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 took you like how were you able to get to that point, Corey? To right, exactly. I've been pushing dents for 20 years. <laughs> right. 20 years. I couldn't fix that dent five years ago or 10 years ago. Now I can fix it in two hours while and the customer sits and watches me. There, there's many yeah. techs out there that probably couldn't fix that dent. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah, so it, it's it's a fun, it's a fun theory and something that um I may call you Billy if that's possible and hire you to to challenge one of these at some point because I think it'd be it'd be it'd be fun. It'd be worth It'd be worth what you cost just to just to yeah. do it on the Well, and that 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 that's funny because what you're talking about. I had a a client the other day. Um, it was a Tesla, and um, normally a diminished value claim takes either about thirty to sixty days. You know, from the time okay. I get it to the time I send it in to the time they hire somebody or the or we talk. And uh, I did one the other day against Amica, um, and I. I I can't, I think it's a 2022, I can't remember what repair costs. The only thing I remember about it is my assistant, Kim, she sent the report in on Friday morning and I usually knock off at noon on Friday and I saw an email come back like at four o'clock on Friday from the adjuster making an offer. And, you know, Kim knows I'm not working, but she sent me a text. She goes, did you see, we, we already got an offer back. And I was like, yeah. You know, like in four hours, three or four hours. And so Monday, I sent an email to the customer. And I go, listen, you know, it's not what I wanted, but you know, uh, I think it was 67 and I wanted 10. And I said, oh. you know, $6,700, you know, I wanted 10, but we got the, you know, we got the offer back in, you know, 30 minutes or, you know, two hours or whatever. And they goes, well, you just got, I said, yeah, but it came in Friday, but I took Friday off, you know, half a day on Friday. And um, they said, well, I think you should push for more. I said, well, that's an option. But I just wanted to let you know that this is rare. And they're like, yeah, I mean, you know, that, we gave you $600 and you turned it around that quick. They weren't so much focused on the fact oh my God. that I got them $6,700. It's that I did it too quickly. Yeah. You know, they're like, we were expecting this thing to go <clears throat> for a couple of weeks or months like you told us. I said, yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is you said the exact same thing that a PDR company says, like, isn't it better that it's faster? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, why, and, why, and, should, and why I, shouldn't you charge more than that? You don't say well, that to a physician or a doctor or a surgeon, whatever. Right. They tell you, you, you your surgery is 10 hours and they get done at four and you're still alive, right? Do you question like, him the, on what the hell, yeah. dude? Yeah, I was so trying I to get up. that 10 hours in. I, I'm paying a I, half a million dollars for the surgery. I went for 10 hours, you know? Well, I went, back, I went back to Amica and I said, listen, um, you know, I know you, you know, I know I was, at, you know, I was, I was higher than 10, but 10 is what I wanted. And I said, um, you know, do you, and, and here's the way I put it. 
I said, would you like to come up a little bit so this doesn't end up in a court or them suing your shirt or something? And then no kidding. Um, she was on vacation for two days and I kept sending her email that I didn't know she was on vacation. And then as soon as she got the email, she got back, she goes, I'll go to 9,500. And I was like, done. Right. And, and, and so, and, and it happened. And I, I guarantee if that day I'd have talked to her on Friday, when I got the 67, I would have tried to counter and it would have been settled that day. But then I took, I swear to God, I think the customer would have said, well, damn, and I know you got me $9,500, but I paid you $600 and it only took you a couple hours to do it. Yeah. And, and, I, and so, yeah. I know that's how they think. Yep. Everybody yeah. To, re to relate it back to, to relate it back to PDR, um, because that's what most people listening are is, you know, we're, 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 we're faster. We're better for the vehicle, less diminished value. We've covered all that stuff. Um, quicker turnaround for all those things. In theory, if you told somebody that, Hey, I can do it, um, faster, uh, it's a better repair. It doesn't diminish the value of the vehicle. Uh, the paint stays original, all that stuff. They would think it's actually more expensive, but yeah. we're actually like in Mars situation here, a baseball sized dent and a quarter panel. I'm probably like $7,000 cheaper than a body shop. When in theory, if you yeah. told somebody no other information, they'd be like, that sounds more expensive. So it's yeah. interesting that we're in this situation and we're fighting, we're fighting to even, to even get four grand less than a body shop would get when in theory it's better in every way. So it's interesting. Um, I have a question, another question for you uh, to go back to the appraisal clause. Is every state different? Is every insurance company different? Um, yeah. So um, North Carolina is a uniform policy state, which means every policy in North Carolina is the same. It allows you to challenge okay. the value of the vehicle and the repairs. Other states uh, vary by um, policy. Um, I'm sure there are some uniform policy states out there. I collect, whenever I do an appraisal clause in a state, I always get a copy of the uh, the um, policy from the uh, the insured, and I, I I catalog that on my phone. So it's on my iPhone, and if I'm doing an Iowa, I, I'll just, awesome. in my subject line, put pull Iowa appraisal clause, and I pull that policy up, and I can tell what it is there. Um, because I have these multiple locations now, I don't collect them in um, uh, 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 Oklahoma. I don't collect them in Arizona. I don't collect them in Pennsylvania because I've got you know dual locations in uh, Arizona, two in Pennsylvania, two in Florida, uh, and and I know what the Florida policies are, most of them. And for me, just to know the the majors, if I know Geico, Allstate, USAA, Progressive, and Liberty Mutual, if I know those five, those are going to be most of of you know who I'm State going to go up against. Yeah, uh, and State Farm is. Did they take the much, appraisal clause out? No, that's a big, that's a big Wizard of Oz behind okay, the screen door okay. lie. Okay. Yeah, everybody okay. thinks, oh, they took it out. No, even in Texas, they removed the ability to challenge the repair cost, but it still has the appraisal clause for the the total loss of the vehicle. So there's, like I said, if if, if we can go back to this, just so everybody uh, in the podcast understands, yeah. there is either no appraisal clause in the policy or one says we can only challenge the value of the vehicle and the one that's all encompassing the big kahuna the whole enchilada as we say um it says if we disagree on the loss or the amount of the loss that encompasses repair cost and the value of the vehicle and when i say repair cost and the loss i'm talking about storage i'm talking about admin fee i'm talking about rental 
I'm talking about anything related to the loss, towing, markup, parts, PDR, no matter what. If it says, if we disagree on the loss or the amount of the loss, if the policy has that verbiage, you can challenge anything. That's awesome. What about, I think we talked about this the other day when we were on the, when I, when we met on the phone, um, <clears throat> my body shop, my loving body shop, uh, one of them that I service told me that diminished value does not exist in California. I know, um, absolutely wrong. And and there's a bunch of states it's harder co to collect in. Um, and I'm going to be California. The office. Yeah. yeah, New York is probably the worst um yeah, that yeah. i deal with and then there the only state that i can say there is no diminished value in is um minnesota because minnesota is is a no-fault state and so your own policy always pays for your repairs so the only way to do a diminished value claim mm -hmm. is to sue the other party so that's the only I, I would never do i would never open an office there for diminished value now i'll still do one for total losses and i'll still do one for the appraisal clauses but I would go in there with eyes wide open if you went into um, Minnesota, knowing that you know you're not going to uh, get diminished value claims. But no, um, California. There's actually a guy that I'm working with who's a public adjuster, um, and the reason they turned me down, I'm a licensed uh, a motor vehicle damage appraiser, licensed adjuster. Um, even though I function in every state as a licensed appraiser, California is very tough not in California. about not yeah. talking not not talking to an appraiser and saying no and this guy his name is uh, kendrick mckinley um i i, I kind of he he actually he hired me to train him but not under collision safety he just wanted some some of my guidance and, and training and that he knew more than i did um but then i shared some stuff with him that he didn't know but i'm i've been sending a lot of diminished value stuff to him in california and he crushes it um, and, and like I said, there's someone. Is he in LA? Uh, there's a late, um, right near there. He's. Um, yeah. I, I was going to, and, and a lot of things transpired. COVID, me getting sick, some family issues. I was going to fly into John Wayne. Um, what's the beach? Long um, Beach. Now begins with H. Um, Huntington Beach. Not, yeah, Huntington. Yeah, he's right near Huntington Beach. Thirty or forty minutes near uh, from Huntington Beach. And he works with a body shop there um, that's certified in all the biggies, Rolls-Royce, Bentley, all that. Um, I can't remember the name of the body shop. That's cool. But here, here's, here's what I think would be an interesting thing for you guys to do. If you wanted to make point in case on the repair costs, a uh, couple things I would suggest. One, um, do a PDR on a baseball-sized dent in a Porsche front fender. No problem. Because I got pictures and videos right now on my phone. <laughs> so, so there, so there, you have to where you, you know, you're going to have to really. You want to talk about deconstructing a car? You know, the nose <laughs> yeah. piece of a Porsche is one piece, and you want to talk about it being um, a, a destructive. Um, you know, try and replace that. You know, you, and especially if you got like a carbon fiber tub or something like that. You know, in the GTR threes or you know anything like that's got carbon fiber that's attached to it that cannot be repaired and if you're going to cut into the uh the front fender on a porsche you know that would be a hell of a thing and I, i'd get with um somebody like uh, benito sid at mercedes and talk to ben uh, who's had a, a collision for mercedes and and talk to them because i think 
I would go back. Who was that? You said the head of collision at Mercedes? Yeah, Ben Sid. I'll give you his information later. Fantastic. So and then you got then you got guys at Nissan. What y'all I think what y'all probably need to do is like come to a CIC conference. So, you know, Audi will be there, Mercedes will be there. Um, all all the uh, the the manufacturers, OM collision guys, um, will be at the CIC stuff. Um, I haven't been to one in a while. I think I went to one in Denver a couple of years ago. Um, and because I'm everybody kind of knows who I am, the only time I go to these events is uh, when somebody pays me <laughs> because I'm traveling so much, opening these locations. I I don't really I, I don't like being away from home. I know I travel a lot, but I, I really don't like it. Um, but I would reverse engineer PDR and go to the manufacturers, go to them first and, uh, to hell with what the, not the actual man. You're talking about like the head of collision of Mercedes Benz. They in North America. Yeah. Yeah. Like put it, put it in the repair procedures. Yeah. Porsche, you know, go see, um, because if we present, pre, pre, if we can present repair procedures to insurance companies, they shut the hell up. Yeah. When I did it in the body shop industry, when I owned the body shop, as soon as I had that card out that said, this is why we're replacing this Ford Mustang bumper is because no matter what it's supposed to be replaced, it's literally in the manufacturer's pages. They didn't argue. They just came back with a supplement replacement. Nothing. Yeah, they that. can't. And the same thing, like these guys, um, Wallace Collision up in Tennessee hired me a lot and Relentless Collision in North Carolina who Tesla certified. When they send me the Tesla stuff and I, I present it to the, the, the other appraiser, whether it's somebody with SCA or PDA or whether it's an, uh, an independent appraiser who works for his own self, and I give him all the repair procedures required by Subaru or required by Tesla, They've got nowhere to go. There's no right. defense. In my attorney, that first case that we did um, uh, against a Tyndall body shop, he said, Billy, just tell the truth. There's no defending the truth. There's no defense in the truth. So if you're saying, hey, you have to take the steering column out of a Subaru when it's in a collision. A collision is defined as any vehicle coming in contact with another. That's it. That's what, that's what Subaru says a collision is. So that's what's required by subaru yeah does it sound ridiculous yeah it sounds ridiculous if you get hit in the rear and it's a bump that you have to take the steering column out and measure it and you got to drop the airbags in a subaru to safety inspection or a dent or a dent says. in a door that's what it says it's collision <laughs> hey guess what you can't oh, fight God. the manufacturer because no. then they because the, the other guy has nowhere to go that's that's like really like deep though like you know, define of one car hitting another so i guess if a shopping cart hits the car don't have to take the steering column out if a car door hits a car well i'm, I'm saying like say, technically it actually it doesn't say car because i think in some okay. i think one of them it was something that bumped <laughs> into it and we we said it says that it says something I, an I wish object I or a, a moving object it, 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 it says anything coming into contact with the vehicle. I think it's something like that because it's so, so any, it's anything, so perfectly, any, anything. I think it's so perfectly vague that it says anything coming <laughs> into contact with the vehicle. I wish I'd have pulled it up if I know we we're going to do this. Um, so you're saying, so, you're saying, so you're where saying can like, we, where can you find stuff like this for PDR guys and anybody else in the industry? Where can you find P pages? Um, P pages, yeah, just for people who don't know. 
Well, what I use myself is all data, you know, for OEM procedures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the P pages, to be quite honest, I don't get I don't get into P pages. Um, my experts are you guys. So if 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 I was gonna do something on PVR, Corey would give me the ammunition because I'm you're the tech, you're the technical guy, you're you're I'm the brain, you're the brawn. You're the guy who can tell me through all this Billy, I've learned this is what I do, and you would teach me. And when I go in to fight that other appraiser, I've got full guns loaded. That I don't have to know PDR. You know it. You're gonna tell me what needs to be done. I take that data and that's how I fight. You nice. you know it. I don't. All I'm doing is pretty much regurgitating what you're telling me against the other inventor appraiser who won't know a damn thing what you're talking about, but it's coming out of my mouth. Right. And that's that's how we beat them. So Mike Klebecki, I was trying to think, is I couldn't think of him all of a sudden. So at Porsche, you know, so the, the these guys come to these you know the CIC conferences, and they were probably out at SEMA. Um, I've never been to SEMA. I probably want to go one year. Um, but um, uh, Danny at the DEG, do y'all are y'all friends with him on Facebook or anything? Danny Greenberg. So look look up DEG. Um, it, they do a lot of stuff with SCRS, um, the Body Shop Association, Society of uh, Collision Repair Specialists. Do y'all know them? Aaron, Aaron Schoenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know of so, that company. You know, that would probably be a good thing, too, is to get in touch with Aaron Schoenberg and get into SCRS. Um, that's Society of Collision Repair Specialists because those are the independent shops in the United States that have come together that are going for OEM procedures. Um, and maybe a melding of the PDR world to the conventional or, world. Or our, or our own, yeah. Yeah, uh, because yeah. The, the conventional world does not, um, how do I say that, welcome us with an open hand because they feel like we're taking work from them, you know? Yeah, is, that, is that, I mean, it is, but. We are, but. Yeah, but. Like, but you know, if, they, if, if the thing I would say, if they create an entire conference, SCIS, independent specialists to do stuff the best way possible for the vehicle and PDR isn't included, I would make the case they're not doing it the best way possible for the vehicle. Right, right. So if well, they actually you know, mean that. So the last thing I was at was, um, um, it was the CIC in Kansas City. Um, and that Danny Hacker was there. So, yeah. you know, Danny going around to these places and, and promoting like he does is really helping you guys too. And, yeah, and, sure. and, yeah. and there probably needs to be more of that. Yeah. Um, because there was some, in, there were some insurance folks that, sp- that spoke at that thing because the one conference before that, um, Robert McDormand out of Texas, who, who does kind of what I do. Um, he does, um, the diminished value claims and total losses. Robert was speaking and he got into something about insurance companies. I don't know exactly what it was, but they cut his mic off and because um, he was ruffling feathers. And I think that's probably why I don't get hired because um, I know I'm <laughs> going. I'm going to say, you know, at an industry conference, Billy's going to say what Billy thinks, and no one's going to shut you know shut me up except for my wife um, and my mom, and not necessarily in that order. Um, <laughs> But I think there's there's you know there's some good things out there. I mean, 
I would love to know more about PDR and see more of, of what y'all are doing and get more in the public. And that, and that might be, you know, I know that seems like a huge challenge, but I think that's, um, Billy, Corey, is, Corey, isn't, isn't this what PDR nation is supposed to be doing for us? I mean, we, got so many <laughs> we don't need to talk saying, about that. We need to talk about that. All right. Well, the master we, recon podcast is doing it now. So, do we have to start? Um, do we have to start this over? Because I'm. This is something that needs to be done. You know. Um. Let's talk off air. All right. Uh, <laughs> if that's okay. Yeah. Billy, have you heard of the Mobile Tech Expo? Uh. -oh. Okay. So basically, it's the closest thing we have to a conference of dent technicians. It's in Florida once a year. Uh, how many people went last time, Ryan? 4,000? 3,000? 3,000 PDR techs, roughly? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm just saying, like, Kiko's there. Um, everybody that wants PDR techs to buy something, tool companies, glass chip repair companies that want us to buy into it, you know, other businesses, et cetera, are all there. So this would be. <clears throat> This would be an interesting topic. There's an education day to be, it'd be an interesting topic to, to do a presentation on. Um, not that you necessarily could do that, or maybe you and I could talk off air and maybe, maybe I could potentially do something like that under your direction potentially. But anyways, um, yeah. So the mobile tech expo is the closest thing we have to any sort of CIC, any sort of conference we have. It's where every, if you're a PDR tech that gives a shit about anything to do with PDR, you go to, you pretty much go to mobile tech expo. Um, so that would be interesting. And gosh, dang it, dude. I've so, I probably talked for like four I hours. Know. How many, um, uh, how many podcasts can we just keep doing version like episodes <laughs> after this? Yeah. I didn't get to any. We are questions. gonna there. There, there is a there is a max time that a lot of people want to want to listen to podcasts. I feel an hour to an hour and a half, and I I do definitely want to respect your time, Billy, and I want a value exchange to come out of here. So, um, I have a lot of information, a lot of questions. I'm gonna digest it. I'm gonna try to find a dent on a front fender of a Porsche and see if I could charge thirty thousand dollars to fix it. I got um, one in the shop right now. I could. I got one in the shop. I could put a dent in it. Get out of here! I don't know. I don't know about that. I got a, a money maker. I, I got a non. I got a nineteen ninety eight nine eleven in the shop right now. I could stick it. That's a good friend of mine. I'll stick a dent right in it. Get you. Get out the money maker. Yeah. Um. So, how do? How would someone go about reaching you, Billy, and like hire hiring you to? So CollisionSafetyConsultants.us has got all my locations. That's my location finder page, and I'm I'm on there under North Carolina. Um, but that's my my website. My personal website is CollisionSafetyConsultants.com, and then um, the location for all my associates and my my company is CollisionSafetyConsultants.us. But yeah, that that thing in Florida, I'd like to go just to go to you know see it and meet some yeah. people and yeah, I, I never even heard of it yeah um because pdr industry is small it's it's just a it's a niche it well, is, I, um january 26th 27th and 28th yes if you want to put that on your radar in orlando at the rosen shingle creek probably right i believe i haven't booked my room yeah yeah i don't usually stay at the at the host hotel um it's 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 a big show yeah send me a flyer on it and i'll put it in my phone 
I will. But yeah, I, we, we are awesome. we're fighting with insurance companies so much on the hail side uh, during hail. I mean, I, I was just in Wisconsin for two months, and we were fighting tooth and nail with insurance companies, and it, it goes on and on and on. But um, I think you might have to hire a few more people if we can get you into the PDR industry to start fighting for us on the insurance side because it's the insurance companies just say, Hey, we're not paying that price. You know, this is our matrix, even though well, they have no choice under the appraisal clause, especially well, on hail. And every, every hail claim yeah. is first party. Well, so, and, 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 and the, the customer would hire us. So it's no money out of your pocket. The customer would right. hire us. Um, yeah. So the customer pays us to make sure that they're, that they're not out of pocket money. So start ramping yeah, up. And I'd, I'd be curious. I'd be curious if you had a if you had a buddy you're doing a hail car for Ryan, and they had to go get something like like what's the diminished value on that PDRing a roof versus replacing a roof? Like, yeah. it's a big yeah, so just so, so there is no diminished value on hail for any um, natural. Yeah, there's no first party oh. diminished value. Diminished on naturally value only. Uh, yeah. Diminished value is only against someone else's insurance policy, except for in Georgia. Georgia is the only state that pays diminished value first, and you know whether it's your insurance policy or someone else's. Diminished so if you value have to replace, only. If you have to replace a roof because of hail damage, there is no diminishment value, or a tree, or no. a tree branch, or no. is that not a deer? No act of God. No comprehensive claims are covered under diminished value. Well, that's total shit. So yeah. pro, the pro is that it that type of claim typically doesn't affect your insurance rates or points or any of that stuff because it's act of God stuff. The right. downside, there's no diminished no value, even though it could completely destroy your car. Oh, like absolutely. $40,000 worth of, okay. So the insurance company, um, the I mean, how are we an hour and a half into this and we just like, we just figured out this question. I don't, I don't know, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, okay. so the insurance companies, um, when it comes to diminished value on on the um, like replacing the roof and the hail damage, um, that they 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 make out like a bandit because you you're you're going to get killed. They have this thing called ISO ISO. So if you go to a doctor, if you go to get your car fixed, if you have damage to your roof, any insurance claim is reported to ISO. Your deductibles reported ISO when you go to the doctor. When you go to the ER, if you have the shingles have blown off your roof, if you're in a car accident, all that's reported to ISO. So if your truck is in in a storm and you have ten thousand dollars worth of hail damage, that goes on your ISO. And so when you go to sell that vehicle, trade that vehicle, let's just say um, your truck has ten thousand dollars worth of hail damage, there is no diminished value, and then someone hits you. And, and totals your car. Well, your car is diminished because of that health damage. And the, the other company that has, owes you money is going to say, oh, well, we don't owe you full market value because there was a $10,000 repair on this vehicle done last year because of a hailstorm. Wow. Mind blown. That's a whole separate issue. That's a whole separate issue. That's what I'm saying. We have to come back on because you start unpacking these things and it's like, it just goes really deep and and yeah. i mean i feel i feel like i'm kind of knowledgeable and ryan you have don't own body shops and run hailstorms and and i'm like sitting here like that i didn't know any of this stuff no um, that's fascinating so um i took a lot of notes um 
I feel like this is good, Billy. I would love to have, next time you're traveling somewhere so you don't have to take time away from your wife at night. Next time you're in a hotel, let me know and maybe we'll just do a round two and can keep them coming because this is this information is uh irreplaceable. It's priceless. Yeah, it's priceless. Billy, I, we lost you. You're you muted yourself. Or you got muted. How about now? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So don't don't feel don't feel like you you're, you you lack knowledge of what I'm talking about. It, it, just because you're in a PBR, let me tell you something. Conventional body shops don't know the difference between a first party and a third party claim. Conventional yeah. body shops think because Joe hit Jimmy that Geico, who's insured by Joe, owes Jimmy money. Geico doesn't owe Jimmy money. Geico owes Joe. Joe's the insured. They don't get that. When I try and convert them to a first-party claim, they're like, no, there's, you need to get it from the other person's insurance. No, absolutely not. You lose control of the claim when it becomes a third-party claim. You know, being y'all are in PDR, generally you're working for the vehicle owner and the, and the policyholder. Y'all actually have more control over the claim in, in probably 85 to 90% of the cases, y'all have control over the claim. In 85 to 90% of the cases, body shops don't doing doing um conventional yeah you're right because it's under someone else's policy someone smashed into them Mm -hmm. yeah and and they don't know totally listen and and then these guys that do all day long because you know it's probably rare i mean in a hell situation i know there's a lot of total losses especially when they have what they call the you know car killers you know when you got the the baseball size hell and that kind of shit um but most of the pdr y'all run into y'all running into total losses you know and that's another thing um, you know that okay. I'm ready. I'm gonna I'm do Corey. Mind blown. How many total losses could y'all say for insurance companies by fixing it PDR and not doing a conventional repair and then right. not reaching that 75% threshold or the 85% threshold or the 65%, whatever the threshold is in that state that you could save that vehicle from them having to buy the vehicle? A lot. Because uh, uh, m- I'm learning now, m- just talk way more than anybody thinks. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I anecdotally, and I, and maybe it's not so anecdotally because I've asked, I would say, a few dozen other technicians. If I walk through a body shop tomorrow, <clears throat> maybe I'll, maybe I'll send you a video. If I walk through a body shop, and a lot of body shops nowadays, out in California at least, they circle stuff. They Red or pink for is don't touch this. Green is touch this. Pretty yeah. common practice of some version, right? Yeah, pink. So yeah. I go walk through and I I know what they're I know what they're fixing, and I'm like I can fix that. I can fix that. I can fix that. I can fi-. like it's probably twenty percent, fifteen to twenty percent of the cars at I ex- a shop. I ex this I ex this question I on one of our um one of our groups on Facebook. I'm gonna have to find it, but it was a lot higher than twenty eight percent. Yeah, no, tw- about 20% probably, anecdot- anecdotally. So, um, and I make this case, I put this on social media every once in a while too. And I <clears throat> I break down the numbers of how large the, this is when people say there's too many PDR techs. And I say, no, there's not, there's not enough. Because if we could take 20% of the total revenue that a body shop does and shift it over to PDR, we're about 20,000 techs short. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Just, have, just, you know, because there's so much, there's so much stuff going there that doesn't need to go there. And again, we're a younger industry. 
I would say over the last five or 10 years, we've really, we've really been able to make that statement. My dad started Dan Pro in 1991. He could not make that statement. In 2001, probably not. 2011, yes. So we were just started. Like we just got to this point where we can actually say that. And now we got to start making these calls um, to, to some of these people, which I would absolutely love to do myself. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, you're right though, Billy, you're right. How many total losses can we save? How many cars could we save? How many, um, how many of, how many different ways can we affect the industry with good PDR technicians? It's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, thank you so much for being generous with your time and yeah, just your knowledge and sharing it openly on a podcast. Um, this is the best podcast I ever did. I, sorry to all the people I interviewed before you. I'm 125 episodes in. This is like, I'm like, it's crazy. I, I, you agree, Ryan? I knew this was going to happen. It's, yeah. So, okay. so, sorry. Matt Matt had the, the first one before this one, but. Uh, yeah, Matt. Think, yeah, yeah, the highest yeah. downloaded podcast. This one's going to be the highest downloaded yeah. podcast. Zero yeah. shape. Like, 100%. 100%. So, I, I, I appreciate y'all having me on here. Yeah. Quit blowing my head up. Yeah. I, my wife, she's like, where are you? What are you doing? I'm getting, okay. I'm, I'm text. I'm like, Hello, they, my wife is too. Yeah. And it's Ryan's birthday. So he's over here like doing his, uh, his thing. <laughs> and he flies out at like 6 a.m. tomorrow to go visit a buddy. Um, he's going to be doing some cat, cat around a right. tell no, I'm going tell to see Matt Moore, actually. Yeah. Tell him about this stuff. He, I would love to. I would love to hear his opinion on it. Um, oh, I can't wait. Uh, Matt's texting yeah. me right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm already <laughs> feeling him, man. He's dying. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate it. I'll wish hey you guys, the podcast take care. Out, and um, we can schedule another one. I and guess. just hang on. We're going to stop the recording. Just hang on. Okay.